Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Today, I want to talk about conquering faith. I want to talk about a faith that overcomes. Amen? Talk about a faith that conquers. Uh, you know, it seems that it is the, the natural disposition of people to live, and this is in the church as well, uh, to live defeated, to live in a state where I have to overcome or in a state of trying to accomplish or striving to overcome or to conquer. But the word has a lot to say about the believer in the frame of mind of conquering, of overcoming. In 1 John chapter 5, in 1 John chapter 5, uh, we see what conquering looks like, or at least we see uh, that the born-again believer ought to be living a life of victory. And it's real quiet when I say that because our, our natural disposition is we're defeated rather than defeating. We are conquered rather than conquering. We are victims rather than victors, right? And so, you know, we've got to bring these messages out every now and then because uh, I've got to remind you, Paul uh, and Peter both said, I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder. I need to remind you of some things. Uh, they probably give you a lot of content today that you already know. And of course, if this is new to you, then this is new content that every time you hear the word, you're doing one of two things. One of two things is happening every time you hear the word. I'm either forming a new belief or I'm strengthening a belief I previously held. I'm either forming a new belief or I'm strengthening a belief that I previously held every time. And so either today we're gonna form a new belief within you. Maybe you have accepted the idea that, you know, we're just gonna have to live this life hanging on, holding on, uh, you know, doing the best we can. Or maybe you at one time uh, knew that, hey, I'm a victor. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. I'm more than a conqueror, but we have failed to apply that and fail to live by that, and fail to appropriate that in our life. You probably heard that word several times last week when Reverend Marty was ministering because praise appropriates the promises of God in our life. Just because he's promised it doesn't mean it's automatically fulfilled. There's a walking out. There is a participation. There is a role that we play uh, in this matter. First John chapter 5, verse 4 says, Whatever is born of God, I have any born of God in the house. And if you're not, we can take care of that today and you can enter that category along with the rest of us. But it is the greatest way to live on the planet is born of God, born of God, born of his nature with his DNA. That's what that means. Whatever you're born of, you, are, you, you, you become a part of that. It's amazing how many times we will claim, I'm born of God, I'm born again, but then we deny the nature of God from existing and living in our lives. Well, if you're born of God, you share his DNA. Come on, you, you share his nature, his culture. That's what ought to be more natural to you than the old man. And that's why the old man has to die so the new man, the new man can come to life. And the new man is born in the nature of God, shares his nature, wants to think the way that God thinks and wants to act the way that God acts and wants to respond the way that God responds, wants to do the things that God and his word says you can do. Amen. He says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. 
I mean, that statement alone ought to tell us that there's a discrepancy. There's, there's, a, there's a problem with what we see in, in the big capital C church in what the church demonstrates in these last days versus what the Bible says. The born again life ought to be marked by victory, he says. You ought to be able to tell the ones that are born of the devil and the ones born of the father, these ones win. <laughs> these ones are not losers. These ones overcome and they're guaranteed victory. Guaranteed victory. I've read the back of the book. Come on. I know how this thing turns out. There's no reason for a believer to be downtrodden. No reason for a believer to, to, to be distressed and worried. The Bible tells us many times, do not worry. Be anxious for how much? Nothing. Nothing. None of it should worry us. None of us should cause us, none of it should cause us anxiety. None of us, we, we should not be looking at the world the way that the rest of the world does. We should not be taking our cues from how the world's responding and say, oh, they're fearful, we should be fearful. They're distressed, we should be distressed. Uh, the, this is tanking, we must all be worried about the outcome. No, the, the church should have a different outcome, should have a different attitude, should have a different approach than the rest of the world. Because those that are born of God, it says whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. Everyone say victory. That has overcome the world, our faith. So you thought that you were gonna read that verse and be like, oh, great, I'm in the kingdom of God. Everything's automatically gonna go my way. It's gonna be a bed of roses. It's gonna be picking, uh, you know, just running through the, the garden of life, just frolicking around, doing nothing, right? No, it, now it applies pressure in the sense of your faith. Your faith, your faith in what? Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. There's a faith applied to the victory that God has promised. God promises us victory. God promises overcoming. But if we're not careful, we will lack or not be uh, mature, we'll be immature in the arena of our faith. And therefore we will not see the victory that's promised us at the beginning of that verse. If I don't apply the end of it, I don't get the promises from the beginning of it. If I don't have an application of faith in my life, today I wanna talk to you about a conquering faith. I wanna talk to you about a victorious faith. I wanna talk to you about an overcoming faith because this is what I have seen happen in the church is I have seen the church use faith to barely get by. I've watched the church use faith in self-preservation. I've watched the church appropriate something that God gave us to thrive and we're using it to survive. Anybody with me? We have taken this great faith that God has given us to overcome, to be victorious, to conquer. And we're using it to, if I could just barely get across the line. And that's not the faith that the word of God demonstrates to us. That's not the, the word, that's not the faith that the word promises that we'll just have this barely get along faith, barely get by faith, survival mode faith, self-preservation faith. 
Your faith was given to you for something much bigger and much greater than you. If I could just make it to the end of two weeks, if I just have a a, a penny left by the next paycheck shows up. I may not be in full health, but I, I, at, least I, at least I'm breathing, Pastor Mark. I got faith to breathe. I got faith to, to just, if I just wake up another day. And we're thankful for those things. But where's the conquering faith? Where's the victorious faith? This word overcome means this. It means to conquer. It means to vanquish, to subdue. This word overcome means to prevail, and ultimately it means this, to get the victory. (laughs) Overcome means to get the victory. To get the victory. A victorious faith, an overcoming faith, a conquering faith is not one just drudging along, barely making it along, just in survival mode, doing, you know, when you're in survival mode, you're, you're pulling your resources, right? You're not overextending yourself. You're very careful of where you're, you're putting your energy and your effort. And, and, and it's very much just, let me just get through this. Let me get through this day. Let me get through this challenge. Let me get through this condition. Let me get through this problem. It's not an, it's not an overcome. It's not, let me just totally vanquish, subdue, and prevail in complete victory. But yet that's what the word promises us. That we've taken something that God meant for us, that Jesus made available to us to overcome the world, and we've only applied it to the level of barely getting by. The Passion Translation reads it this way. You see, every child of God overcomes the world For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. It's the victorious power that triumphs over the world. The Amplified reads it this way. Whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. It goes on to say in the Amplified, who is it that is victorious over that conquers the world? But he who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, watch this, it opens up a little more, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on that fact. Who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on that fact. There's an adherence to. We're not just talking about, I prayed a prayer when I was a child one day. I made Jesus the Savior. I I believe that he's the Savior. I believe he's the Son. No, it's not just that limited, and we'll miss the big picture of what the Word is talking about when it says believe in the Son of God. He's saying that the same faith that got you in the kingdom of God can help you overcome through the kingdom of God, can help you conquer in the kingdom of God. We have this idea that, that our faith this, this great faith can get us out of darkness into light, but then it can't overcome the, the darkness of the world. It has the power to absolutely redeem and restore your life and give you a blessed eternity in heaven one day, but while on this earth, that same faith cannot be applied or does not have, and this is what actually ends up happening. Let's just put it where it is. We have more power 
when we believe, we have more faith in the power of the enemy to keep us in darkness than the power of God to bring us into light. It's what happens. We believe that Satan's power through the act of Adam and Eve eating fruit in the garden is greater than God's power through his act on the cross, sending Jesus to die on a cross to redeem you and I. How many times do we act like the devil is greater than God? <laughs> How many times do we give him uh, more, uh, more, more trust and confidence in what he can do than what God can do? That's a, we, 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 we just do it on this level. We see the darkness, we see the destruction, we see the depravity, we know who the result of that is, right? Or who, who, who's the source of that? It's the, it's the enemy, it's Satan. He's the God of this world. And no one doubts that. No one doubts that, that it's, it's gonna be a, a, a dark days ahead. We have this, this predisposition to doubt and disbelieve. We have this predisposition that things are gonna get worse and the negative, uh, uh, it just, the, the, have you ever noticed negativity spreads faster than positivity? Fear spreads faster than faith. You ever notice this? Doubt spreads faster than believing. I mean, we got storms brewing out in the coast right now. And we watch those reports and they have their little trackers, their little uh, windows and, and, you know, supposed to hit here. And, and man, they got it down by the minute. It's going to be here and here. And that thing's, you know, spaghetti looping all over the place, spaghetti noodling all over the place, going wherever. And man, we just sit on that thing like, yep, it's going to do it. And then I say the word of God from here, I preach you a word and you got to be convinced I gotta be, I gotta tell you 10 times. I gotta give you 15 testimonies like what we saw last week coming up here. <laughs> how easily we believe the negative and how strongly we have to be convinced of the positive. I mean, we saw this when, when all this mess was going on three years ago. Fear was spreading. That was the pandemic. That was a wildfire. I finally just had to tell people, stop watching the news. <laughs> just turn it off because you're making my job ridiculously hard here on Sunday morning. I got to combat all the garbage you're taking in Monday through Saturday. I get 45 minutes on a Sunday morning to combat all that. That's a lose-lose situation. Turn it off. Just for one week, turn it off, listen to me, listen to work, and see which, whichever, whichever one you feed gets stronger. <laughs> and people feeding their flesh all week long and I get one little measly morsel in you, you think that's gonna build your spirit up. And the word can do it. The word can strengthen you. The word can refresh you. The word can encourage you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But if we're not careful what we're hearing, if we're not careful what we're taking in, then your spirit man doesn't stand a chance. Your flesh will win that battle every time. Your fear will win that battle every time. Anxiety will win that battle every time. Worry will win that battle every time. No, we're talking about a faith that overcomes. 
a faith that conquers, a faith that's not merely for the purpose of self-preservation or just getting by, but a faith that helps us completely overcome in this life. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. In verse 33. John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you. What things? Well, if you go read the previous verses, he's talking about everything that we're seeing now. He's talking about the darker days. He's talking about those that'll fall away. He's talking about the destruction that's gonna come, the natural calamities that are gonna show up. He's talking about, you know, mother will hate daughter and father will hate son and, you know, all, all the just stuff that almost you can't even imagine happening. And now we're seeing a lot of it take place. He's talking about a lot of that. And he says this, these things I have spoken to you, that in me, you may have peace. He gives us this picture of all this calamity and all this destruction. He says, but I want you to be at peace. He goes on to say, in the world, in the world, Everyone say world. In the world, you will have tribulation. In the world, you will have tribulation. But what did we just read about the world? Our faith overcomes the world. That whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So here's the thing, guys. It really doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter what new sinful concoction they make up. It really doesn't matter who they want to marry, who they want to sleep with, or who they want to be with, or what kind of uh, confusion's going on in their heads. It really doesn't matter what they're wanting to teach in the schools. It doesn't matter what new, new uh, uh, virus is spreading around. It really doesn't matter. Because he lets you know, it's going to happen. There will be trials and tribulations. It's going to get worse. It's going to get darker. But we end up in this tension with faith to overcome, conquering faith, victorious faith, and things are getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And we can't figure out which side we're supposed to be on. Because here's the thing, conquering faith is not about avoiding trials and tribulations. It's about overcoming trials and tribulations. See, we only, we only have this one idea of conquering. I don't have to go through it. For a lot of Christians, that's as far as their conquering mindset. And so if there is any destruction, if there is any trial, if there is any tribulation, if there is any pressure, if there is any resistance, I must be losing. I must not be in faith. It must not be working. Maybe the word doesn't really work. I got a report. The bank account says this. My children are doing that. The the world seems to be prevailing. The, The world seems to be winning. Why is our only idea and our only concept of conquering and winning this idea that I avoid it all? Jesus doesn't say anything in here about avoiding. In fact, he promises you will go through this. This will happen. And so this conquering faith that we're talking about is not about avoiding trials. I, I mean, I do actually, there is a plan to avoid trials. If you want it, I'll give it to you. Do nothing. Do nothing. 
and you'll avoid trials. Because trials come to bring pressure on those that are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Trials come to those that pose a threat. Trials come to those that are uh, in direct opposition to the kingdom of darkness. And the, the, you might think it's dark now, but the church is actually holding back and pushing back a lot of darkness. You think it's dark now, wait till we're raptured up out of here. In fact, the Antichrist isn't even gonna be revealed until the church is gone. Will we know who the Antichrist is? No, because hopefully you won't be here when that happens. Why does he all of a sudden want to make himself known? Because the church isn't in the earth to stop it. Now, there's a spirit of Antichrist, for sure, that's already starting to make itself known. But the church is holding back darkness. The church is, is, is pushing back darkness right now. The second we're raptured up out of here, it's going to get really bad. But that's because we pose a threat. If you want to live a, a, a carefree life and have no problems, then don't follow the plan of God for your life. Do the exact opposite of anything. And I'm going to show you in the word. I'll confirm this with the word. Do any, the next promise he leads you to, say, no thanks. I'm just going to stay in my comfort zone and do what, what feels good to me. And you won't have to endure conflict. There's no battle. See, conquering implies a battle. Victory implies there's a test. Come on, there's a fight. So we're not buying into this idea of faith that everything's just a bed of roses and everything goes great. There will be persecutions. There will be tribulations. And then there's the other one, there's temptations. These are the ways that we find resistance in our lives as believers. Now, some of this resistance you can do something about because there are some things we have to endure in our lives out of rebellion and disobedience. But the second you get that in alignment, you, God's hand covers you and protects you and now you are uh, uh, able to escape from that pressure. But then there's pressure that's gonna come because you obey God. There's gonna be pressure in your life that's gonna come directly from your obedience. You did exactly what he told you to do. You went exactly where he told you to go. You said exactly what he told you to say. And now I found myself in the, 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 the prison, the pit of the prison with my hands and feet in stocks waiting to be executed the next day. And now I gotta lift my voice in praise and the whole jail's set free. Amen. So, the trials that we endure in life because we're disobedient, we can take care of that. That's easy. Then the trials that come as a result of just being in the kingdom of God and the enemy trying to take you out because you pose a threat to his kingdom, now we've got to find ways to overcome this. You gotta find ways to conquer that. Amen. In the Amplified, it reads this way. I didn't even finish in the New King James. Obviously, he says what? Be of good cheer. I have what? Overcome. There it is again. That's the same word. That means to prevail. It means to subdue. It means to uh, get complete victory. In the Amplified, it reads, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. Most people don't even know what that looks like. Peace and confidence? 
We, we, are, we are so wired now to distrust everything we hear and everything we see. We are pre-wired as skeptics and cynics about everything. We don't trust our politicians. We don't trust our government. We don't trust our news. We don't trust our teachers. We don't trust that anybody promotes our best interests. Now uh, the, the enemy has promoted a distrust and a skepticism and cynicism within the house of God. Many people are abandoning the house of God, don't even wanna have a pastor because you can't trust them. They can't remain faithful morally. They can't remain faithful doctrinally. They can't remain faithful financially. And I get it. I see it all. And so the enemy is fostering this, this, this distrust in life, and then we apply that to the word of God. Well, can he be trusted? What is it to just have an absolute confidence in something, knowing that it will never let you down and never fail you? What does that even look like? We're losing sight of that. But yet that's what he says we're gonna have to have in these last days if we're gonna overcome, if we're gonna endure. We're gonna have to have an unwavering confidence it will be this way in no other way. He says that you may have perfect peace in confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain and undaunted, it says. For I have overcome the world. Watch this. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. (laughs) I have deprived it of its power to harm you and I've conquered it for you. This is a conquering faith. This is a victorious faith. This is an overcoming faith. But what does this look like? How do we flesh this out? How do we live this way? in light of all that we see. I mean, you ask somebody, name me, name me something, something that's going wrong right now. And, and we got a laundry list. Name me something that's going right. Uh, uh, uh. There's a sale on cookies this week. It's the best thing going for us. My Wi-Fi didn't crash. Yeah, I mean, just we have, we have set the bar so low. What has God done for you? What is God doing for you? What are you believing that God will do for you? We've got to be people of faith. We've got to be a people that have a greater assurance. We talked about this two weeks ago in what you cannot see than an assurance that you have in what you can see. Why? Because Hebrews 11 chapter, Hebrews chapter 11 verse one tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. What does a, con- what does a conquering faith look, type, look like? What does a victorious faith look like? It believes confidently in what it does not yet see. So if you list me every reason in the natural why, you sh- why you're not in faith or shouldn't be in faith, then you're absolutely right. You are moved more by what you can see than by what you can't see. Because faith lives in the unseen. That's where faith lives. He said that how will we overcome the world? Not with swords, not with, you know, a bunch of preachers, not with large churches, 
Not with a bunch of money. We're not going to overcome the world in those ways. You're going to overcome the world by your faith, by believing regardless of what it looks like. That's how you overcome the world. By believing regardless of what it looks like. It says in verse two, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By what? By faith. So now they have a report that matches not the seen, but the unseen. How many of you have a natural seen report? Just that's something you lost, something that's broken. Maybe it's a sickness in your body. Maybe you just got, no, we're doing pretty good. I'm, I'm preaching conquering faith to the wrong people today. Y'all ought to be up here preaching this message. Now, we've all got natural reports based on the scene, but these elders obtained a report by the unseen. Meaning, I know what the scene is telling me, is reporting to me. I mean, all y'all should have just raised your hand because I already gave you an example of a storm that's brewing out on the coast that's supposed to be coming right through here. And the second I say something that just sounds absolutely ridiculous, like, well, why can't we just speak to the storm and tell it that it won't bring destruction here? Y'all look at me like I'm an idiot. But yet that's the word of God. You have obtained a report by the natural. I've obtained a report by the unnatural, by the spiritual. By the unseen. And if he said, these works that I've done, you will do, then why can't I tell a storm to curve off in another direction? That even if it comes, it won't bring any harm or destruction. Why are you letting the world just do whatever it wants on your territory? You're in charge. You rule and reign on this earth. He's given to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whenever you forbid on earth, I forbid destruction. And I allow peace. But that's because we have greater assurance and a greater confidence in the scene news report from a meteorologist that we don't trust them anyways, guys. We don't trust them. You do not trust your media. Do not look at me and say, I trust them. I give them full confidence that they are getting this They're getting this report this week right. No, you do not. But we have greater assurance in that than we do in God's word, that he's promised to protect you. He's promised to keep you. It can fall to your left and it can fall to your right, but it will not harm you. These are promises in God's word to us. To us. No, it says that they obtained a report by faith, a good testimony. By faith, we understand, verse 3, that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The Passion Translation reads this, verse 1, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Faith is. Faith proves the unseen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. 
This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke in the invisible realm, gave birth to all that is seen. We said this two weeks ago, the opposite of faith is not doubt, it is sight. The opposite of faith is not doubt, it's sight. Sight ruins, destroys, counteracts what faith does. When you live by sight, when you live by what it is, when you live by what's happened, when you live by the brokenness that you see, when you live by what the present shows you right now, it'll cripple your faith every time because faith believes in what it cannot see. And so this is where you have to shift our focus that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Set your mind on things above, right? What you look at determines where you build your faith. What you focus on determines where you build your faith. And see, this is the thing. We pointed out a couple weeks ago that really it's not a matter of if you have faith or not. It's a question of what do you have faith in? That's the question. What do you, what are you applying your faith to? Because regardless of what you believe in, whether it's wrong or right, whether it's good or bad, whether it's of the kingdom or of this world, you're putting your faith in something. You're already practicing faith. I gave you the funny example of the individual that I was talking to one time and they were uh, looking for something to knock on wood. You realize that's that's a measure of faith. So much so that she was looking for something to knock on wood. She was looking for wood to knock on. But I got to give her A for effort. She had a deep enough conviction that it moved her to action. (laughs) Is it even conviction if it doesn't move you to action? Is it even really a conviction in your heart if you're not willing to do something with your hands? See, faith is demonstrated. When those four guys took that lame man up to the roof, they began to lower him, it says, and when he saw their faith, faith can be viewed. Faith can be demonstrated. Faith is visible. There's action applied. There are words applied. It's something you say. It's something you do that makes evident, I believe in what I cannot see more than what I can see. This is the conquering faith. Hebrews eleven six goes on to tell us that without faith, this is in the, uh, the Passion translation, without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. So it goes as far as to tell us that we can't even please God without a measure of faith a level of faith, that, t- that God takes great pleasure when you and I operate and live by faith. Other verses in the Bible tell us that the just live by faith. That's you and I. That, life, that the lifestyle of the believer should be faith, and it should be of one conquering faith, overcoming faith, not barely getting by. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says, and since we have the same spirit of faith, we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Since we have the same spirit of faith, everyone say spirit of faith. There is a spirit of faith that you and I ought to operate, meaning this is not something that you naturally build up. This is not something that you conjure up and that you can strengthen yourself in in a natural way. This is going to be a spiritual measure. This is going to be spiritual work. This is gonna be a spiritual investment you make in your life to develop your faith to the level of conquering faith, victorious faith, overcoming faith. In Numbers chapter 14, and we're gonna kind of work this backwards. In Numbers, you go to 14. In Numbers 13, God sends the Israelites out on a mission. He gives them a command. He says, you're gonna go out and I want you to spy out the land that I've already given you. Remember, he made a promise to Abraham thousands of years before, I've laid up a land, I've laid up a territory for you to go in and conquer. This will be your territory. This will be for your people, the Canaan land, the promised land. Thousands of years before. And they go through all the, the, the hills and valleys, through Joseph's life and through uh, the being enslaved to the Egyptians for generations. Finally, Moses, the deliverer, is brought to them. And Moses brings them out of Egypt, doesn't he? 10 plagues, 10 signs, 10 tests for Pharaoh. Pharaoh fails every single one of them. Finally, God delivers them. They watch uh, Pharaoh and his army uh, get swallowed up by the Red Sea, drown in the Red Sea, right? They watch all these demonstrations and now he's brought them to the, the, the cusp of why they're even on this journey in the first place. And sometimes we can go get so consumed with deliverance that we forget there's still a promise. Sometimes we can get so consumed with just getting delivered from something that we forget that we've been delivered for something. Sometimes our life is so enveloped in get free, get free, get free. Break the chains, break the chains, break the chains. That's why I like the songs that we sang this morning give you both perspectives. I'm getting set free from something, but I'm also getting set free for something. Mountain, you gotta move. Enemy, you gotta flee. You can't keep me bound. But what happened was these individuals were so consumed were getting delivered from that they forgot that they were delivered for. There was a promise land in front of them. And the, promise is, the problem is, is that if you don't switch over, say, okay, what's the promise I'm called to take over? What's the territory that's in front of me? Then I'll keep living with the past in mind. And God was able to get them out of Egypt, but he could not get Egypt out of them. They're so consumed by their past, so consumed by the deliverance. Deliverance is not freedom. Deliverance is a moment. Freedom is a lifestyle. And God can deliver something in a moment, but whether you get free or not is up to the renewing of your mind. 
If you fail to renew your mind, you'll be a delivered person wandering out around in a wilderness, not yet taking hold of the promises that are before you. And so it says in Numbers 14, after they spy out the land, verse 22, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have put me to the test now these 10 times. I mean, you you talk about being long-suffering. And have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, everyone say different spirit. He has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. What is that different spirit? It's the spirit of faith. That Joshua and Caleb were not content with merely being delivered from something. They weren't gonna be satisfied until we fully walk out everything God's called us to. Until we fully conquer. Till we fully overcome. Because I wanna tell you right now, God has a greater life for you than you just simply living the rest of your life trying to overcome sin after sin after sin. If it's one thing that I could help believers with, especially new believers, is that, now understand this, your life is not a full encompassing of just trying to live right every day. Live righteously every day. Do the right thing every day. We just get so consumed with just trying to live right and overcome this addiction and trying to break this past and this generational curse. And, and, and this is how we end up in the survival mode I'm talking about. We use our faith to only break chains in our lives, but never break territories, never take territories, never take the promises of God, never advance the kingdom. God wants a life for you and has a life for you where living free of sin is a byproduct rather than the main goal. And I have no problem walking with people through their problems, through their addictions, through their struggles, but I want them to see we got to break this off of you because God's got a purpose for your life to change the world. And if you think that this is the only totality of your life is just breaking, breaking, breaking and delivering, 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 then you're missing everything that's laid in front of you. God's got a bigger plan. God wanted them to advance and take territory. God wanted them to advance into the promised land, Canaan land. Getting them delivered was just a part of the plan. That was not the plan. And now I'm using faith to walk across the Red Sea and I'm using faith to, 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 to get water out of a rock and, and, using, and they weren't even getting any of that by faith, by the way. They were getting that by grumbling and complaining. If, if that's what grumbling and complaining can do, what can faith do? What can believing God do? What can trusting in God with the full assurance, not letting the meal from breakfast subside the, the strength from breakfast subside, and by dinner time, I'm complaining again. 
but just trusting God that, hey, I'm doing his plan, I'm doing his will, he'll make a way. I'm hungry. I don't know where it's gonna come from, but he's not gonna leave me out here to starve. He didn't bring me this far to leave me here, right? Just having, just carrying the thought that says, I trust him. I trust him. But Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. Not just the spirit to get delivered. Not just the spirit to see another miracle. Not just the spirit to just barely survive in the wilderness and just walk in circles for 40 years. They had a different spirit that says, we can conquer this thing. And you back up to Numbers chapter 13 and verse 26. Numbers 13 and verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now, this is the report of the whole. Remember, there's 12 spies. And so far, that's the report of everybody. So far, it measures up to what God said. He said it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. It surely is. And this is its fruit. And they brought back fruit that was so large that they had to carry it on a pole between two grown men. Y'all remember that? I mean, that's pretty dramatic. That's quite the demonstration, right? A lot of times we think that our faith would be strengthened by what we saw. You're wrong. There's only one way your faith comes and is strengthened. It's by what you hear. And the problem is, is we think, well, if I saw it happen, if I saw a miracle, if I saw him open deaf ears. No, if you don't believe the word, when you see it, you'll deny it when it's right in front of you. Because why? Because faith doesn't come by sight. That's not what the word says. It says faith comes by hearing, meaning that your sight ought to be, all, your sight should always be at the mercy of what you hear. Well, they saw a tumor. Well, I know what my God says about healing. I know what my God says about this. I know what my God, and so if, if, but if it's the other way around, I only believe in God's word until I see something. Now we've got a problem. Because I can show you grapes, but guess what? I can also show you giants. But see, if your faith is determined by what you hear, it doesn't matter if you see grapes. It doesn't matter if you see giants. I know what he said. I know what the word of God says. I got like three people that are on board with me because everybody else is living by sight and we have to, have, we have to see something that convinces us this is true. Come on. This, this is not the group I should have to poke and prod. I'm reminding you this morning. I shouldn't have to prime the, fun, the, the faith pump this morning. You know this stuff. You know that this is true regardless of what the doctor says. You know this is true regardless of what that storm does. You know this is true regardless of what the economy does. You know this is true regardless of who's elected next year. You know this is true. You know this. Because faith comes by hearing. I don't care if they come down the mountain showing you grapes or if they tell you about giants. Where's your faith? I'm talking about a conquering faith. 
Okay, so verse 28, nevertheless, see, every grape, every grape has a nevertheless. Every flowing with milk and honey has, but it just does. Life is full of blessing and burden. It'll make you a lot of money, but it might cost you some friendships. There's both sides. Okay. Nevertheless, the people who dwell there in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people. That means there's already a stirring happening. Right there, there's already noise coming out from the camp. It just proved to you what I told you at the top of this message, that people are more drawn to the negative than they are the positive. They showed them, no, notice this. this, this is even more mind-blowing. They showed them grapes and told them about giants. They didn't bring a giant back with them, say, here's the evidence, in case you don't believe me. They showed them grapes, gave them an actual visible manifestation, and only told them about giants and the fortified cities and the strong walls and the great armies and the, the, they're in this territory and they're in that territory and they're over here. And if you think we can just take this little corner, they're over there too. And they believe what they heard over what they saw. Because faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith does not come by seeing. Faith comes by hearing every time. What you hear will override what you see. So Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. No delay. No delay. We're going now. Why? Because we don't need this doubt to start festering. Sometimes it's good. This is a good word. Sometimes it's good to obey God immediately before your mind starts to reason you out of what he's told you to do. A lot of us are getting stuck in the reasoning. Well, how's it gonna make sense? And you're trying to put it on an Excel spreadsheet. You're trying to get a chart. You're trying to build the bank account. No, he said, go. Don't give God any homework. Don't, don't, don't start. Now, there's one thing to be prepared and planned, and there's definitely there's a, a measure of stewarding there, but not to the point where your mind starts reasoning you out of God's plan. Because I'll show you what natural reasoning looks like. Natural, reason, natural reasoning says we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And you know what? That was a correct statement. Natural reasoning looks smart. If you're not careful, you'll start coming up with plans that look a whole lot better than the plan that God devised. God just give you one word, go. What do you got a plan? Go. 
I love that statement. It's one of the Avenger movies where the, I can't remember, it's the one, I don't know, one of the Avenger movies that's got all the Avengers in it. And they're, they're going to attack them. I'm doing a great job just describing this thing right now. This is incredible. I think Loki, I think they were going to get Loki. And he flew off with something. And Captain America and Iron Man are on this plane. And Captain America says, we need a plan. We need, we need a plan of attack. And Iron Man says, I got a plan. Attack. <laughs> and it's like thinking it through. It's just go, do it. Like, what's, what's the problem? We, we need to sit here and strategize and formulate a plan. Go, go get them. He's saying here, let's go up at once. Before we start trying to reason this thing out and start. Now you'll find in Joshua when they actually go in that there are plans of attack and that there are strategies. But you never develop a strategy in place of faith. You develop a strategy as a result of faith. That's what we want to do. We want a strategy that substitutes us having to actually walk in faith for this thing. When, when all the money's in the account and when it makes sense and when it's the right time, well, then you're not trusting in God. You're trusting in your plan. You're not trusting in God's word of go. You're trusting in your plan of, okay, now we've got it all together. So Caleb quiets the people. He says, let, up go, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Well able to what? Overcome it. This is what conquers the world, even your faith, a faith that overcomes. But the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against these people. They are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. How do we get the good report? By faith. How do we get the bad report? By just looking at the natural by just looking at the way things are. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and the people whom we saw in it are a men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. I wanna give you four ways that you can operate in victorious faith. Four ways you operate in victorious faith. We need a conquering faith. We need an overcoming faith. We need a victorious faith. We need a faith that conquers, a faith that gets victory, not a faith that just barely gets along, not a faith that's in survival mode, not a faith that's just, just trying to preserve as much as I can for myself, and that, that project's too big, that's gonna to take too much faith, that's too big of an assignment. We need to conquer some things. Number one, victorious faith doesn't deny a problem. It deals with the problem. Victorious faith does not deny a problem. It deals with the problem. Caleb was not denying that there were giants. Caleb never denied that the cities were well fortified. Caleb never denied that it was a large and vast land. Caleb never denied that there was a problem in front of them. But the problem is a lot of times when you look at someone that's walking by faith, and especially in a victorious faith or a conquering faith, they have chosen to ignore the problem. And so ignoring the problem looks like I'm denying the problem. But that's not true. I can't even address the problem until I first admit there is a problem. 
So getting a report from a doctor that says one thing and saying, well, I believe my God's gonna heal that, that's not denying that there's something present in your body. It's just denying the power of it in your life. It's acknowledging there's something going on in my body, but God's got something that can heal or correct what's going on in my body. Can I get an amen? Just say amen anyways, even if it doesn't, it, it just, just, just say it. Say it by faith. Because amen means so be it. So be it. So be it unto me. So we're not denying it, but I am ignoring it. Remember what Paul told us? Do not look at. We do not look at. That word do not look at doesn't mean deny. No, there's nothing. There's no problem. It's saying, I'm not gazing upon it. I'm not giving it my focus. I'm not giving it my attention. I'm giving God's word my attention. And that's when you get filled up on God's word. That's when you start starving the, the flesh and you start strengthening the spirit. Feed your faith. Feed the spirit man to believe in what God's word says. So even though it might look the same, denying it and ignoring it are not the same. Number two, victorious faith never deviates from God's word. We're talking about a conquering faith now. And this is one that people struggle with because are there doubts? Sure. Are there questions? Sure. Is there a tension between what God says and what you're actually seeing? Absolutely. In fact, I can almost assure you that the second you start getting in faith on something, the situation may get worse before it gets better. I can give you an example in Jesus's ministry. Even with Jesus walking the earth, when Jairus showed up and then he stopped to heal a, a woman with the issue of blood, he ends up getting a report that not only is she lying on her bed at the point of death, she has died. Don't even bother the master anymore. She's gone. And what does Jesus say? Well, sorry, I couldn't make it. Your faith only works unless she dies. No, he says what? Do not be afraid only believe. The same faith that you were using to believe that I could heal her of her sickness while she was alive is the same faith you need to use that I can raise her from the dead. It's no different. But the only way it's going to work is if you remain. The Bible says that you can speak to this mountain and if you believe in your heart with no doubt, not doubting, a double-minded man, what? Is unstable. May he not believe that he's going to receive anything from God. But those thoughts come, sure, but you don't have to take them. Take no thought. You don't have to invite it in. You don't have to welcome it. What does the word of God tell us to do? Cast down every thought. Cast down every imagination that exalts itself against what? The word of God. But the moment you start entertaining the thought, the moment you start reminding yourself of the thought, the moment you start thinking on the thought of what could go wrong more than the thought of what could go right, you empower the thought. You empower it. No, you've got to cripple the thought. You've got to starve that thought. You're not going to reign in this mind. I'm in charge of my thought life. I set my mind on things above, not on things below. Y'all doing all right? Romans chapter four, verse 20. Hit this one quickly. 
Romans chapter four and verse 20, speaking of Abraham, it says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And there, there, and therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. The Passion Translation reads, he never stopped believing God's promise. Mm. He never stopped believing God's promise. He was made strong in his faith to father a child. And because he was mighty in faith and convinced that God had all the power needed, to fulfill his promises, Abraham glorified God. Amen. He did not waver. He did not falter. He did not consider another alternative. He did not make plans in case God's plan doesn't work. What am I going to do? Now, we know you go back in the Old Testament, you watch the play-by-play. -play, he got in the way a little bit, didn't he? But look what it still reads of him. That eventually he got to a posture that says, you know what? We're just gonna believe God at his word. If he said that we're gonna have a child, we're gonna have a child. Sarah, you're gonna get pregnant. Get ready. Pick out the furniture. Paint the room. Pick the baby names. If he said it, we're gonna see it. I said, if he said it, we're gonna see it. I'm not wavering. I'm not doubting. I'm not faltering. And when the thoughts try to come, I cast them down. Say, no, the only way is God's way. The only way is what God's word says. Caleb did not deviate. Joshua did not have another plan in place. There was no plan B. They stuck with what God said in his word. It didn't matter if they saw grapes. It didn't matter if they saw giants. Which brings me to the third one. Number three, victorious faith doesn't look for external indicators. Victorious faith does not look for external indicators. You just choose, I'm not moved. I'm not moved if they bring me a good report. I'm not moved if they bring me a bad report. I am not hopping on that roller coaster. Because one thing I know about, especially when it comes to medical and doctors, they're all over the place. I love doctors. I appreciate them. I am thank God for them. But they're doing the best they can with what they have. It's called medical science. They call it a practice. We have something greater to trust in. We have something greater to rely in. And whether they come back and say, man, you're clear. I don't see anything in the scan. I'm rejoicing to God. And whether they come back and say, man, it looks like it's growing and increasing. I don't know how much longer you got. I'm rejoicing to God because I know his word and his word will not fail. His word will not fail. But so many people only can remain in a posture of faith as long as the external indicators align with what they're believing in their heart. No, not a conquering faith. They even came down to it and said, in their eyes, we look like grasshoppers. I mean, it's, it's amazing the conclusions you'll come to if you're gonna live at the mercy of what is happening to you or what people say, or what report you get. No, you're just gonna have to choose the report of the Lord. When you learn to live by what you can't see, you're not moved by what you can see. When you learn to live by what you can't see, 
And when you're in a posture of faith for something, man, I'm just, I'm just telling you, there's a reason why Paul called it a fight of faith. There's a reason why he called it a battle. There's a reason why we call it conquering and overcoming. I didn't say it's easy. I've not one time t- told you anything about ease and comfort in any of this. You can take comfort. But the Holy Spirit didn't come to make you comfortable. He came to make you comforted. There's a difference. Comforted, being comforted is on the inside, even in an uncomfortable situation. And you're promised the uncomfortable. But in the midst of that, I can still be at rest and at peace with a full assurance and confidence in God's word. Number four, worship team, y'all can make your way this way. Number four, victorious faith isn't intimidated by those of weak faith or no faith. I'll say that again. Victorious faith is not imitate, intimidate, intimidated. Get it right. Victorious faith isn't intimidated by those of weak faith or no faith. One thing that you'll find grows very thin when you're in a test of faith, when you're in a battle for faith, the battle for believing something that you cannot see, one thing you'll find that is very minimal is who are those that can stand in faith with you? When you do get people that are willing to agree and come alongside you when you're in a test of faith, you better hold on to them and hold on to them tight because you're gonna need all the encouragement you can get. You're gonna need all the ones that come around you and say, man, we're gonna stand with you. We don't care what it looks like. We don't care what it sounds like. We don't care what they come back and say. We're with you. We're with you. We believe the word will work. When you find those people to help champion you, get them close to you, get their numbers, text them daily, call them, go to coffee with them, hang out with them. Because faith oozes. Faith can be contagious. But on the flip side, so can fear. And I already told you, fear can spread faster than faith. And if you don't close that gap, if you don't get the ones around you that, that if you don't remove the ones that either can't believe along with you or are full on doubting, then there's a removal process that needs to happen. Otherwise, it will obstruct your faith. That sounds really mean. Well, you're in a fight. You're in a battle. We're not playing games. You're in a fight. You're believing God for something. So stop talking to the one that says, well, just however the Lord's plan, whatever his plan will be. That's not gonna get you victory. It's not in the word. What did Jesus respond with every time someone said, if it be your will? It is my will. It is my will. It is my will. It is my will. In fact, he would turn it back on them and says, what is your will? Do you want to get well? I will. 
Do you? I want to. Do you? I'm telling you right now, if we fail to receive a promise from God, it's never the problem on his end. It's not on his end. Faith in God, this conquering faith, this victorious faith, it's not hard. It's not hard. It's a matter of, of what you put your interest in. It's a matter of where you put your efforts. It's a matter of what you look at. It's a matter of, of, of what you focus on. But victorious faith is not looking for external indicators. Victorious faith is not taking cues from everybody else. Well, what do you think? Victorious faith isn't taking a vote. Because I'll tell you right now, Joshua and Caleb are far outnumbered. But this is what I know. The 10 spies that didn't believe they could go in, they got what they believed. The two spies that believed they could go in, they got what they believed. Sadly, Joshua and Caleb had to wander around for 40 years just like they did. That's why choosing your company would be, you may end up wandering somewhere for the sake of keeping people near you rather than saying, you know what? You can believe what you want. I'm standing and believing for this. I'm gonna see my miracle. I'm gonna have my testimony. I'm gonna see God's word fulfilled. I'm not getting delayed off of somebody else's disbelief. I'm not getting delayed in God's promise for me because somebody else can't see it the way I see it in God's word. I'm not, I'm, I'm not choosing to stay around that. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.